Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, appreciate you being with us. We roll on. Bottom of this hour, we'll be halfway through our our five-hour Monday conversation. We'll be at the turn. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store. And I'll say again, thanks to my friend Charlie with Callahan's. We were able to uh, be at the Rodeo Gala Saturday night. Thanks to Charlie and the team at Callahan's. They're a big sponsor of the Rodeo uh, and all that goes on. And uh, it started on Saturday night. Robert Earl Keane was the music. music. Great food, great fun. Good time. Thank you to Charlie. We'll go at the turn bottom of this hour. A lot of folks weighing in on our Grammy conversation from last night. Because, of course, this Sunday it's the uh, Super Bowl of football. Last night it was the Super Bowl of music, and a lot that came from it. This says, yes, Miley Cyrus is a raunchy showstopper, guys. She did. She looked the part last night. She did a good job, I thought. Also, this says, uh, did you see the Luke Combs-Tracy Chapman duet on Fast Car? That was early in the broadcast last night. It was phenomenal. It was really, really good. I mean, that's a classic, you know, all-time great song by Tracy Chapman. By the way, if you want to see that song kind of stop you in your, in your tracks, tie. Uh, you can go to YouTube. I saw some people putting it out on social media. But she, in 1988, she performed that song at Wembley Stadium in front of like 100,000, you know, it was like a festival. And it was kind of, you know, loud when she began because people were talking and it was a huge crowd, kind of a raucous crowd. And boy, by the middle of the, of the first verse, it was just silent. She put, I mean, it was unbelievable, uh, her passion in that song and one of the greatest songs uh, written ever written. And they did it last night with Luke Combs. I thought that was really, really good. Somebody said, what about Fantasia Barino? Yeah, Fantasia came out and did a great job, too. She did an ode to Tina Turner that I thought was pretty cool. When they did the uh, the In Memoriam, they did a tribute to the late, great Tina Turner last night. I thought it was a good show. thought it, uh, it lived up to the usual with the Grammys. And, yes, it was a very uh, – uh, females did well last night at the awards, whether it was Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus or Billie Eilish and on and on and on. Uh, but uh, strong performances all, I thought, and uh, enjoyed it. I always do, the Grammys. Uh, I'm going to enjoy the Super Bowl this week as well. One of the big stories I want to get into, tie with you is this Brock Purdy. Uh, it's really amazing to me that the Brock Purdy thing is even a controversy. I guess everything becomes a controversy, whether it's you know, Taylor Swift or a quarterback. But I know it's a, it's a polarizing debate. And I'm not sh- First of all, let me say this before we get to the headlines, and we'll, we'll hear some sound on this and talk about Brock Purdy. But the thing that, that most surprised me about Brock Purdy is the hate that some people spew towards Brock Purdy or the negativity that surrounds him. I mean, I'm watching this thinking this is like, you know, don't in America, don't we usually root for the underdog? You know, the, the, the success story, the guy who was the, the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant to taking his team to the Super Bowl. and He's now you know, undefeated in playoff games in which he starts and finishes, doesn't get hurt in. Um, are, are you surprised or where do you stand on this Brock Purdy conversation where it seems like there, there are a lot of people that want to throw shade the way of Brock Purdy, and I'm not sure why. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like we're in a we're a quarterback centric era with you know possibly one of the the greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes, you know Tom Brady retiring a few years ago, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, all these guys that can do like superhero or have superhero type abilities at the position, and then there's a the guy Brock Purdy that seems to have all the weapons around him, never really makes the the big play, but seems to not make the big mistake. Um, I, I think that's it's just part of. Part part of the reason why people haven't bought in yet is just uh, you you don't you don't really see it flash on the screen. He just gets wins. 
Well, and that, well, because look, I'm a fan of Brock Purdy, and I do think he's more of an elite quarterback than people are giving him credit for. I don't think he's elite, uh, though. I mean, you can be a, a good like a good quarterback. I feel like it would be like how we saw Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl, like a throwback to that kind of era, well, if, if they can win this game. Well, I mean, let me just say this: I don't think. Uh, I mean, facts matter, right? Stats matter. Um, this year, highest graded quarterbacks by Pro Football Focus under 25 years old: Brock Purdy, number one. Ahead of Tua, ahead of Jalen Hurts, ahead of Justin Herbert, ahead of Jordan Love, ahead of C.J. Stroud, 87.8%. Um, you know, that's PFF highest graded quarterbacks under 25. Uh, no one pushes the ball downfield more. I know he's a product of the great Kyle Shanahan system, but he's doing it at a very, very high level, and we'll hear some sound on that coming up. I did, that's where I think, you know, game manager. I heard, I heard Joe Montana on the McAfee show on Friday saying, look, that's when I, when I learned to become a great quarterback was when I learned that the quicker I get the ball into the great players' hands around me, the better we're going to be. Uh, like that's what I, that's one of the first things Bill Walsh and I had to learn was, you know, we'll be unstoppable if I'll be a point guard and get the ball to, Joe Mon, to, Joe, to Jerry Rice, to John Taylor, to Roger Craig. To, I mean, these are the great players. I'm just the quarterback, which is, I thought, pretty humble by Joe Montana. But it is true. And the one thing I'll say for, for Brock Purdy, which makes the argument you know, even more arguable, is what he's done late in these last two games against the Green Bay Packers and against the Detroit Lions. He's been his best when his team needed him to be the best. And not just throwing, but running for first downs, making plays when plays need to be made, ad-libbing, keeping plays alive to, to, to you know, give the play more time to develop. I thought he's been phenomenal. I'm a big Brock Purdy fan. I do think... You know, because look, Tom Brady, Ty, his first year when he won a Super Bowl, and I'm not comparing to Tom Brady. I'm just saying as an example, when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl with Bill Belichick, he was a game manager. That team was built on defense. That team was built to stop, you know, the greatest show on turf, and Tom Brady was there to, to manage the game, and, you know, Adam Finitary would kick field goals. Uh, but obviously we know Tom Brady went on to be the GOAT. I'm just saying we're seeing signs of Brock Purdy that are, are, are elite, you know, better than a Trent Dilfer and better than some of the quarterbacks you're talking about. We'll talk about that coming up. I think it's a great debate. Also, the big debate surrounding the Cowboys and what they're going to do at defensive coordinator. We'll talk about that coming up right after we get you caught up on the quick headlines. Let's get you the top stories to start your, your Monday morning. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. And yeah, college hoops. Uh, what a weekend it was for college basketball uh, in the Big 12 and for both the Longhorn teams. Uh, yesterday at Moody Center, the Texas women won their second straight big game. They won on Thursday at Waco. And then yesterday, they upset the second-ranked team in the country, the conference co-leading Kansas State Wildcats, 61-54. Uh, Madison Booker, again, led the Longhorns with 20 points and 6 assists to Leah Moore. And Taylor Jones combined for 23 points and 23 rebounds. Horns improved to 8-3 and in Big 12 play, 21-3 and overall. Uh, as for the men, what a win on Saturday. We've talked about it. Max Asmus um, scored the final 13 points for the Longhorns as they finished the game at TCU on a 13-2 run. To take a 64-all game to a 77-66 Texas win. Asmus was phenomenal. Hit two big threes. Played a great defensive play in there. Longhorns get the victory. Uh, and they, get, they pulled a 4-5 and five in Big 12 conference play. Uh, also on Saturday, Texas was one of five Big 12 teams who were lower ranked or unranked to beat a higher ranked team. Houston got beat. Texas Tech got beat, Oklahoma got beat, and the Longhorns' next opponent, Iowa State, lost on Saturday. So at the halfway point of the conference regular season in the Big 12, only two games separate the top 12 teams in the loss column in the Big 12. What a crazy, crazy conference it is. Longhorns in Iowa State tomorrow night. In the NFL, headed into the weekend, it appeared that former Texas Tech and Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury was on track to be the new offensive coordinator in Las Vegas. 
Not so fast, my friend. Potential deal fell through late yesterday. The Washington Commanders announced that they have hired Cliff Kingsbury to run their offense alongside new head coach Dan Quinn. Commanders have also announced the hiring of Dallas Cowboys secondary coach and pass game coordinator Joe Witt Jr. to be their new D.C. That means the Cowboys in need of a defensive coordinator. We'll talk about that coming up. Who are the candidates? Also, uh, in, in the NFL coaching news and nuggets, how about Jim Harbaugh? Chargers, uh, his Chargers expect to hire Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator. The Miami Dolphins have hired former Baltimore D-line coach Anthony Weaver to be their new defensive coordinator in golf. Wyndham Clark has been declared the 54-hole winner at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We'll talk about that coming up at uh, the bottom of the hour and at the turn. And in soccer, it is official. The 2026 World Cup Final is going to take place at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. FIFA officials revealed the full schedule for the 2018 tournament yesterday. It was thought that AT&T Stadium in Arlington might be the World Cup final location, but not going to happen. It's in New Jersey. Uh, missing out on that, uh, AT&T Stadium will host a tournament-high nine matches, including four in the knockout round. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. This says Purdy not considered a top QB because of the weapons around him and the system he's in. Look at the numbers when just one of those weapons is out. Look, I'm, I'm look. There's what I what I, I I celebrate an underdog story, and I think this is a great underdog story. This is a guy who was the last pick in the draft. This is a guy who, you know, as we'll hear coming up, you know, you know, impressed Kyle Shanahan very early on in his tenure. He's over. He's overplaying his draft number. I agree. I mean, that's that's the other comparison you'll make to Tom Brady, right? Again to be in a Super Bowl in year two. Might have been in a Super Bowl in year one as a starter last year if he hadn't gotten hurt in the NFC Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's the kind of the fast track that he's on. Yet there's those who just say he's a game manager. Uh, he's not a great quarterback. He's just a product of a system. Let's hear some, some sound on this. I do think it's an interesting topic as we start to really drill down and get towards the Super Bowl uh, 54, 50, uh, by the way, 58, which is a rematch of Super Bowl 54 coming up on Sunday. I wanted to, you know, Peter King, uh, did an interview this weekend. Peter King, the, the great uh, longtime NFL reporter uh, with his, his Peter King columns. He, here's the story of Brock Purdy behind the scenes. I thought this was really interesting of how, you know, Kyle Shanahan stuck his neck out for Brock Purdy, when it, and it probably made some people in his own organization not real happy when they took the quarterback from Iowa State. Do what you've been doing the whole season. Don't make anything up. Like, that's my thing. Like, yeah, Vegas, brought, you know, the street, the strip, the, all the lights – it is what it is, but what's really cool would be winning the Super Bowl. Anything else before that is, who cares really? All right, that, I threw a curveball. To that was George yeah. Kittle. That was George Kittle right there talking about the distractions of Vegas. Sorry about that. George Kittle was asked because both teams are on the ground now. Both teams have landed in Vegas yesterday. Obvious question: It's Vegas. You now, can you guys avoid distractions for six days and be ready to play Sunday? George Kittle just said, "Yeah, you know, Vegas will always be here. Let's focus on this game." Uh, but obviously, there's going to be some concerns that uh, you know they're not staying on the strip. By the way, Ty, I mean the Super Bowls is right off the strip there at Allegiant Stadium, but they're staying you know 20 miles away in hotels that are off the strip to, to try to avoid any situation. But let me play Peter King here. This is Peter King talking about the, uh, the, the decision where Kyle Shanahan, you know, chose Brock Purdy and the controversy it caused in his own, in his own, uh, coach, within his own coaching staff. Kyle Shanahan, in that period of time, 20, 25, 30 minutes when they were trying to decide what they were going to do, he said in that room, I love this quarterback. This is the guy I want to take. And so all of a sudden, a chorus of other coaches come up and say, oh, man, we we need this linebacker. We need this 
receiver. We need this guy is going to help us. We got two quarterbacks already. You just traded three ones last year to pick Trey Lance. Who cares about a quarterback? And if we lose him, it doesn't matter. But Kyle Shanahan, you know, and 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 the management of this team made a decision that I'm telling you ticked off some people in that room when they took Brock Purdy because nobody who 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 has any idea about a quarterback from Iowa State. <laughs> However, Kyle Shanahan knew one thing, and it was the most important thing, and it was the reason why he ended up taking Brock Purdy with the 262nd and final pick in the draft. And he knew that Brock Purdy was not going to sign with the 49ers in free agency. He knew it. So he said, if we want this guy, if I love him so much, uh, we got to pick him. So they picked him. And obviously, they lost uh, out. Good on stuff a- with Peter King. Ty, you can turn that down. That's a, that's the crux of it. That he, you know, and this goes to something Rod and I talk about, and Rod points out a lot. Um, you know, the the good organizational trait of taking quarterbacks, drafting quarterbacks. Ty, even if it's unpopular in your own within your own coaching staff, uh, it, it, it's something you should do because it's the most important position in sports. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan's a great developer of quarterbacks had a high opinion of Brock Purdy, and there it was in the uh, seventh round, the last pick of the draft. You know, let me get this quarterback because he won't sign with us in free agency, and I really think he's a good player. You know, fast forward that to, you know, training camp in the offseason, Ty. Uh, and I want to hear want you to hear from John Lynch because last week, ahead of the Super Bowl, ahead of leaving for Vegas, Jed York, the owner of the 49ers, told the story that, you know, it was Kyle Shanahan that pulled aside the owner and said, look, I just got to tell you, I think our third-string quarterback might be our best quarterback. And, you know, you know Kyle Shanahan being totally honest with his owner – and the owner is like, what? I mean, are you kidding me? We just gave up three number ones for Trey Lance. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo who's making a lot of money. We signed into a contract. And you think this guy might be the best? What are you talking about? Here's John Lynch because he was asked about that Jed York comment and said, yeah, he was standing right there when it was said. Here's uh, John Lynch on uh, when, when Kyle Shanahan gave his opinion of how good Brock Purdy is. Uh, Jed, that my jaw hit the floor. Um, I, he had told me that, but I didn't think that. You know, I, he Kyle often runs things by me to see if if they're crazy. If they're now, Kyle and I had been talking. I mean, there's there's we we like Brock early, um, you know, but it was it was in a really limited fashion that we had seen him. So I think we had a hunch that we had a chance to have something special and. You know, Kyle is about as direct as person. He's really easy to work with because there's no gray area. And so Jed told the story. But, you know, I think where I'm at right now, we've got a huge challenge in front of us. So looking at um, you know, I guess Kyle was fairly prophetic that day because he's turned into a pretty special player for us, and we're really pleased about that. Yeah, I mean, he set some records this year, Ty, with the 49ers that, you know, broke Joe Montana's passing records, broke Steve Young's all-time Niners passing records. So I would argue he's more than just a game manager. I do think the system helps. I do think having great weapons around him helps. But at the same time, I think he's more than, than, than some people let on. Let me let you hear from, from Ronnie Lott. Uh, Ronnie Lott, the Hall of Fame safety who's watched every game Brock Purdy has played as a 49ers fan, uh, his opinion of the young signal caller for the San Francisco 49ers. Ronnie Lott perspective on this kid at quarterback, Brock Purdy. I've just wondered, Ronnie, you've, you've been around sports a long time. What's your what's your opinion of Brock Purdy? Look, first of all, you know, think about decision-making. 
decision-making is a really, you know, hard thing, but not a complicated thing. And, and, and what I mean by not a complicated thing is that, you know, it, it can be as simple as, hey, get the ball to the right guy. And, and, and a lot of times, especially when you're playing with, you know, Kyle and his group and his dad and all the people that are around him, you're going to have people that are going to be open. The question is, can you find them and can you be able to locate them and, and, and deliver the ball? And, and to me, that's, that, that's the smartness. That's the genius of who he is. And the genius is like, hey, I'm not overthinking it. When you have guys like that, they're supposed to not mess up the game. And, and that's what I, I love about Brock is that he doesn't mess up the game. So that's a, that's a smart thing for, that he, wherever he grew up, however he, you know, figured this all out, to me, he makes a lot of right moves. And that's, that, that's important when you're playing at this level. Joe Montana made a lot of right moves. I mean, he was a great point guard. He was a great point guard because he thinks like Steph. He plays like Steph. He feels like Steph. And my point is there's something bigger than all of us that I can't even attain because there are times when you're around Joe that you realize there are certain things that he sees that nobody else can see. And that's kind of what this kid has been able to do is show that he has the capacity to do that. All right, uh, high praise from Ronnie Lott uh, comparing him to his teammate Joe Montana. And I think that's the thing, Ty, is it, I've seen – I saw it this year in Houston with C.J. Stroud, right? I mean, it's just – what you can't coach and what I think Kyle Shanahan saw early with Brock Purdy is the vision, the field vision, the understanding of the offense, where the open player was going to be uh, based on the play that was called and the awareness and the understanding of that like a point guard would, but has that, that, that Drew Brees sense that – you know, I need to deliver it now. The window's going to be there. And he makes some high-level throws. I'm actually not some, a lot of high-level throws. I saw C.J. Stroud do it in Houston this year. You know, they'd bring in another quarterback when he was hurt, and they, didn't, they don't see the same thing. It's the same personnel, but they don't see the field the same way. I think that's, that's what separates Brock Purdy and why they're in this Super Bowl right now. No, yeah. I mean, if you're hearing legends and got people that have been around the game for a very long time compliment them like this, it, it does make you think. It's It's – if he wins this game, I think the narrative will, will change on him. And he might, you know, people will probably start to compare him to the Tom Brady's of the world. You know, people that, uh, like like you said, Tom Brady started his career with a, as a game manager with that defense. I I, I think the tide could turn with a win. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll, we'll see. Well, now we'll get to that coming up. Because it is interesting how the roles have reversed in this game in the rematch of four years ago. You know, four years ago, it was the Chiefs with the dynamic, high-powered passing game, explosive passing game with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and George and uh, Travis Kelsey and all the big plays with Patrick Mahomes, and they ended up winning that game 31-20. to The Niners were more built around defense and Cal Shanahan's system and a game manager in Jimmy Garoppolo. This year, and this time around, it's the Niners who have the high-powered offense and the explosive plays and Brandon Ayuk and Debo and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. Uh, and it's the, the Chiefs. A little more conservative offensively, and they play great defense uh, with, with Steve Spagnuolo. Speaking of that, can we hear from Coach Spagnola? He was asked before they left for Vegas, the uh, defensive coordinator of the Chiefs, what are you seeing when you study the film of Brock Purdy uh, as far as throws that he makes, and uh, how do you rank him as a quarterback? We had some crossover film during the course of the year. 
but when you dive into it and you watch them, <clears throat> you don't. This it's not a quarterback that's managing or all those tabs that they put on. This is this, he's for real. Um, makes all the throws. Really, really smart. And then what I what I didn't know because you know I don't watch. I'm not seeing enough of it is how athletic he is. I mean, this is another quarterback that <clears throat> when you cover everything back there and he finds a lane and, and a pass rush line can take off. He did it last week. He's done it in every playoff game, and gets positive yards. That puts a lot of strain on us defensively. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with with him. All right, so uh, that's that's the Brock Purdy conversation early in the week because it's going to be one because and to this point, Ty, you just said it. I mean, you know, you and I are sitting here shaking our heads that it's still a, you know, Niners favored by two and a half points. Niners favored by two and a half points. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't lose as an underdog. Patrick Mahomes finds a way even in the game four years ago. They threw a blanket over Patrick Mahomes for the better part of three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, he figured it out, and they erupted for 17 points, and they won the game 31 to 20. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes will figure it out. But the fact that Vegas, and as I said earlier, three fourths of the tickets and the, the bets have come in on the Chiefs tie. Three fourths of the bets. Uh, so that Joe means a Public, lot of a lot of money. A big big bets are coming in on the 49ers. Well, no, no, the three fourths of the the, the public bets. Which, yeah, but that, that isn't the, like. But if the public bets, the, you know, those are smaller bets. The only the way that it would wouldn't be shifting is if people are play, the smaller percentage is a large amount of money, right? That's the way sure. I. That's well, the way I see it. Well, I mean, here it is. I mean, uh, the 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 fact I gave earlier that according to the uh, the gambling houses in Vegas, um, three fourths of the of the public bets. So the public's on the Chiefs, but the line keeps moving the other way because the sharps and the sharp bets and the big money is going on the Niners. The sharp betters in Vegas are going Niners, and that's why the number keeps growing. It started at 2.5. It came down to 1.5, which a lot of that public money came in, but the sharp money continues to come in on the Niners. And what I would say to that is that that speaks even more to to what what they think of Brock Purdy because if you're you're breaking this thing down quarterback to quarterback, you're going to go Mahomes, yet the sharp money keeps coming in on Purdy. And look, his, his team, right? I mean, the team is healthy. They've got a week to prepare. Uh, this is going to be a classic Super Bowl. I think this one could rival what we saw last year in 38-35 um, with, with, you know, Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts. Hell of a football game. But uh, interesting thoughts. We'd love to get your thoughts on the text line, 447-3776. Hearing from Steve Spagnuolo, hearing from Ronnie Lott, Jed, uh, uh, hearing from John Lynch. And obviously Kyle Shanahan's opinion real early. I mean, just consider that conversation with your owner who's paying Jimmy Garoppolo a ton of money. Uh, Dish gave up a bunch of draft picks, high draft picks, to go trade for Trey Lance. And Kyle Shanahan goes up and tells the owner, hey, look, I, I think our, our third quarterback might be our best quarterback. Um, you know, the, I'm sure the, the owner's kind of looking at him crooked going, look, what are you talking about? Um, and to, to the first coach we played with Peter King, that he's, he's drafting this quarterback when they already have two quarterbacks and the other position coaches are saying, hey, um, you know, we, we could use another player at this position. We've already got two good quarterbacks. Uh, that, that speaks pretty highly of Brock Purdy. If, anybody, if any organization should know that you need multiple quarterbacks, it's, it's the 49ers. Yeah. So we've seen yeah. uh, last year their whole season was derailed by, you know, what, three quarterbacks going down with injury? That's right. And, and you know, by, the, by the, the championship game, they didn't have a quarterback. I mean, they were putting – Brock Purdy came out there injured, right, I mean, just hand the ball off because they didn't have another QB. But, uh, yes, that's interesting. That's an interesting facet of this game because we all know Mahomes. We all know Kelsey. We all know what the Chiefs are. This, this Brock Purdy, he's new to this thing and uh, has a chance to make himself quite the star if he can play anything close to like he did against the Packers or the Lions en route to the Super Bowl with a lot of talent around him, no doubt about it. Uh, but decision-making is a big part of playing that position, and he's got it in spades. 
and making big-time throws. We'll come back. I do want to get into this Cowboys conversation of who they should hire to be the defensive coordinator because on Friday the conversation was they're going to potentially promote from within. doesn't look like that's going to happen right now. Jerry Jones is talking about a home-run hire, and he's going to talk to a bunch of former head coaches this week. We'll talk about who and which would be the best. Coming back and at the turn on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Certainly is Callahan's General Store your spot for all of uh, your essentials, including Western wear. As I mentioned, I was at that rodeo gala on Saturday night with Charlie Wilson from Callahan's and his his crew there at their table. And uh, if you need Western wear for the rodeo or for the lease or the ranch, get on out there and uh, pick it up. Hats and jeans and uh, the, the cool cool looking western gear and where you need it they've got it there at the general store but also as we said to keep your yard looking like a golf course year round you need the expertise and the products and the people at Callahan's general store here's a nice text on the text line and a lot of them coming in this is morning yeah, I met you and your wife at the gala on Saturday thank you for being approachable and friendly longtime listener yeah John John from Rockney Texas it was good to meet him at the uh, gala he was a very nice guy and yeah Ty Rockney I didn't even know where this is this is between uh Rockney, Texas is between Bastrop and Luling, or Lockhart. Bastrop and Lockhart. Have you ever heard of Rockney, Texas? Spelled like Newt Rockney. I had not. And I, I, I grew up yeah. out, out in Lockhart, too. My grandparents are from there, so I had no idea. I never heard of it. So he listens on the Horn app and uh, big listener, so we appreciate him. It's good to meet him and uh, several uh, listeners met at the gallery the other night. It's good to see them. Uh, a lot of thoughts coming in on this Brock Purdy conversation. This says uh, – can, can any other mediocre quarterback get to a Super Bowl with CMC, the number one running back in the league, uh, two other pro bowlers, tackle and wide receiver, put Purdy on a team with one pro bowler and see what happens? Look, I'm, no, listen, be, be rational. No one is going to the Super Bowl, no quarterback, with one pro bowler on their team or, or not weapons. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I mean, who's the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady or you know, this guy or uh, Patrick Mahomes? You know, win, they're not winning without weapons just, or, a, or a great offensive system like Andy Reid has. You're just not. Um, you have to have good players, great players, to get to the Super Bowl. But uh, as this text says, just because he doesn't run around and throw the ball with his wrong hand like Mahomes, Brock looks like a really good, really comfortable quarterback. I don't understand the hate. Well, says, okay, uh, let, let, me, let me pose this question to you and, and to the listeners. If, if you put Dak Prescott, as he is now, and just inserted him in at the beginning of the season to the 49ers offense, would, would he be more productive than Brock Purdy? No. You don't think so? You think Brock Purdy's no. better than Dak? I do. I don't. I think, I'm Brock, a Dak I think, I think, I'm a, I think Brock Purdy's a better decision maker than Dak, Dak Prescott at this point of his career. Uh, and I look, I mean, we can go on. We, that's an opinion based conversation there, an argument, which most of them are. But look, they played in the, in the playoffs last year, and, and Purdy beat Dak head to head. And look, it's not like the weapons for the Cowboys are, are that dramatically uh, worse than. The, that are, well, look, I mean, CeeDee Lamb was arguably the best receiver in this league. They don't um, have Christian you know, McCaffrey. Debo Samuel's one of the most unique weapons. I, I mean, okay, think about this. If Brock Purdy, that, that Brandon Ayuk catch, if that he threw it straight well, that to that, he, that bounced off the, the, the Lions defender's head. That should have been an interception. That doesn't happen. They're not even in this. The Lions are in the Super Bowl. you got you got to take that into account. And he had a well, terrible interception in that game as well. Who, Brock? Yeah. Oh, in the first half. Yeah. Well, look, he played a couple of poor first halves, uh, but he was unbelievably clutch in the, in the late games of the Packers and Lions. And look, I'm not sitting here saying he's the best quarterback in the league. 
I'm not saying that because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. And we go down the list of quarterbacks. I would take him over Dak Prescott right now, but, you know, people know my opinion of Dak. I think he's, a, he's a, got a ceiling to him. I think Brock Purdy's best football is still to come. We don't know what his ceiling is. I guess it would be my point on that. Um, but, again, the Lions should be in this game. The Lions' decision-making and their own, you know, drop passes and Dan Campbell not taking points when they're there, they should be in this game. And you're right, the Brandon Ayuk catch, catch was a, 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 bit, a bit of misfortune to the Lions uh, because that, that should have been an incomplete pass or even an interception potentially in that spot. Look, I'm a Brock Purdy fan, uh, I, you know, and I root for the underdog. I, I, I guess the thing is the hate, right? I mean, it's almost like people don't like Brock Purdy for whatever reason, or they, they want to hate on the guy because he's, he's not this or he's not that. Give the guy some credit. The guy's in the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott's had eight years with good players because this, this year for Dak was, you know, this is this the latest uh, come-up small performance in a playoff game. Uh, give me Brock Purdy any day of the week. In a I'm, big I'm, game yeah, I'm point. saying right now if you, if you put Brock Purdy on the 49ers and Dak versus the Cowboys, I'm taking the 49ers all day. I'm just saying hypothetically, you know, this would never happen, but you just you replace – Purdy with Dak Prescott start the year over. I, I think the 49ers offense would be more productive. Yeah, and a lot of texts are coming in about how Dak isn't clutch. Brock is. I agree with that. I I, I think in the in the in the right, final moments, I would probably you put a, put the ball on the 25 yard line. You got to score. I'd probably take Brock Purdy at this point. But just as a pure talent, I think that Dak Prescott succeeds him. Yeah, well, I kind of, look, and it goes to body of work. We've only seen Brock Purdy in in three three or three playoff games now, right? Um, you know, he got hurt in the first quarter of last year's NFC Championship game, but he beat the Cowboys the week before. So that was that's one and zero as a starter in a game he finished. He's now three and zero. We've seen Dak Prescott in you know seven playoff games, and he's won two of them, um, and he's come up really really small in the five losses, like really small, bad decisions, not coming up clutch in the in the clutch moments. That's that's a big sample size uh, that he's he's part of. Uh, whereas I've only seen a small sample size of Brock Purdy, and I've seen that guy be hugely clutch in big moments and that's why all, all last week the conversation was the parallel between Dak and, and Lamar Jackson that you know, as, as good as they are as good of a regular season quarterback as they are and have been and the numbers they put up you know legacies are defined this time of year and Brock Purdy is solidifying his legacy and I would point out again that, that Tom Brady early in his career with the Patriots was not a superstar quarterback he was managing games but making great decisions Ty I mean that's the thing managing games is, a, is not a knock as you heard Ronnie Lott say it's 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 winning games. It's making winning plays, not making losing plays. And we see Dak, you know, not make winning plays and also throw picks, throw interceptions that, that lose football games. Okay, uh, here's here's one that hits a little closer to home. Would you rather have, if you're starting a franchise today, C.J. Stroud or Brock Birdie? C.J. Stroud. That, I mean, that one's – and that, you know, people say that's home. That's not. I mean, C.J. Stroud is a more talented player than Brock Purdy, just overall talent level. And he's got the clutch gene, and he doesn't make mistakes. No, I would take C.J. Stroud. I think, you, but the, but that list of quarterbacks. If you ask even general managers in the NFL right now, Ty, you know if you can draft from any quarterback, you know, C.J. Stroud will be pretty high on that list. I mean, Patrick Mahomes will always be the first pick, but you know what C.J. Stroud did this year in a 23 touchdown, five interception performance. You know, being becoming the first quarterback since you know Tom Brady and Joe Montana to lead the NFL in passing yards per game and touchdown interception ratio. That's special. He's a really special player. And they don't have, speaking of weapons, they only have a couple. And, you know, Devin Singletary, Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz. Um, you know, that, that is not the most talented offensive arsenal. And still record-setting for C.J., I'd take C.J. Oh, including uh, the, the class of quarterbacks coming in this year's draft, I, I think there's at least 10 guys that would be taken in front of Brock Birdie. And that doesn't mean that he can't win, but it, 
like I, a, I understand a, your point. You know, I understand your yeah. point. Uh, but you know, legacies are built now, and he and if he can beat Patrick Mahomes on Sunday, watch out. I mean, because now your legacy takes a whole different narrative. If you beat the great Patrick Mahomes in his element uh, on a neutral site, even with great talent, uh, that that will be huge. Because Jalen Hurts couldn't do it last year, and Jalen Hurts played incredible in that football game. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting debate, and it's a good way to start the week because it's really one of the the big storylines of the Super Bowl, which is coming up in a few days, six days now. Hey, let me mention an at the turn because it is brought to you by Callahan's General Store, our PGA Tour and golf update. Wyndham Clark is the winner. If you haven't been paying attention to the weather and the news, uh, west coast of, of, of the United States is getting battered by a serious uh, storm right now, severe storm, and Pebble Beach essentially got washed out. Uh, they couldn't play yesterday, and the weather forecast was worse for today. So for the very for very rare, the PJ Tour with a 54-4-hole winner, Wyndham Clark set a course record with a 60 on Saturday. So he earned it. Uh, he he wins the uh, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the, uh, the signature event, one of those big signature events with all the top names. Wyndham Clark, last year's U.S. Open winner, uh, takes that home. Nearly missed 59, by the way, and <laughs> set a course record with a 60. Almost put the magic number 59 on the board, which was pretty incredible. Speaking of that number, Joaquin Neiman shot a 59 um, for the second ever sub-60 round in Live Golf. He did that in the Live Golf side. He won the Live event this weekend down in Mexico. I watched some Live action this weekend did, for the first did time. Did you? What did you think? Well, yeah, I mean, you got, a lot, of big, you got a lot of big names now, so it's, it's the, the whole team thing is so weird to me. I think it I think people could get used to it, but I, I watched the full first round, so I, it, it captured my nice. attention. There you go. Uh, with, from Mexico, right? Mayacoba, I believe is what they call it, uh, what, what city that was in. Um, all right, so there you go. There is some at the turn, a little golf, a little Brock Purdy. We've got to get into the Cowboys, but right now let's wrap up at the turn and go behind the BOC. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, Rod Babers on his way to have his wisdom teeth removed right now. And we've got our fingers crossed for him, knocking on some wood. Hope that goes well. I mean, you can have a case of the Mondays, and then you could have to get your wisdom teeth out. I mean, that, that, you choose, right? I mean, good luck to Rod. Uh, hope to see him back in here on Wednesday and Wednesday morning with uh, uh, the, the behind the burn orange curtains. But we'll get you there right now. I did get it from my buddy Charlie Wilson over at Callahan's General Store listening on the Horn app this morning that uh, Rockney, Texas, is actually named after Newt Rockney as one of the listeners told us. I didn't know that. I wonder why. I'm going to look into that. Why Rockney, Texas, between Bastrop and Lockhart is named after Newt Rockney. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, the great uh, football coach, Newt Rockney at Notre Dame. So we'll get that. But uh, as for football and the Longhorns, we talked to Jerry Hamilton last hour. There isn't a ton going on with the Longhorns right now. They're going through winter workouts. Wednesday is the late signing window for recruiting, but the Longhorns uh, don't have much at all going on. They're you know, hazing the barn with their recruiting class for 2024. Uh, 18 of the 23 signees are already on campus for the Longhorns right now as early enrollees. So the, the, the push is for 2025 and 26 recruiting uh, for the Longhorns right now. Um, but we did talk a lot about the basketball win behind the burn orange curtain rod and Max Asmus. I'm assuming here coming up this morning he'll be named the Big 12 Conference Player of the Week. I, I mean, I'm assuming for his performance, maybe not, or maybe the newcomer of the week or something, whichever award they can give him. Because that was, you know, we talk about, I, I, I tend to think when we look back on this season and where the Longhorns basketball team is going, I think Saturday 
in the final three minutes and 54 seconds might be a, a critical moment to circle, a pivot point to the season. Because uh, if you lose that game, you fall to three and six. Um, because here, I mean, as we said, the game played out. The Longhorns were up 11 points at half. And then TCU came all the way back, got it tied at 54. Texas went on a 7-0 spurt from there. And with about five minutes to play, and they'll go, oh, my gosh, uh, they're going to go ahead and, and you know, because they go into these spurts where they, they, they take off and uh, get good defense combined with good offense. All of a sudden, they're back up seven after TCU climbed it all the way back to get it back to not it. Uh, but then Texas allowed TCU, because TCU's at home, they're going to play with some, some cojones themselves. They go on a 7-0 run. They tie this game at 64, and you think, okay, now the momentum has swung back the other way. And, man, you cannot put a, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of foot, a lot of basketball left to be played. But remember in the uh, the football season, uh, Ty, when when Jordan Whittington chased down the the interception at uh, at the TCU game and forced the fumble that was recovered by Xavier Worthy. Do you remember this play and behind mm-hmm. the burn orange curtain? I, look, I don't know. I I could be over exaggerating this, but the play Max Acemus made at the just under the four minute mark when the Longhorns had given up a 7-0 run and a seven point lead. And it was now tied at 64, and they turned the ball over again, carelessly with the ball. The ball gets, gets knocked away, turned over, and it looks like TCU's on their way for a, for a dunk and, and a fast break that's going to turn into the, the home crowd's going to be rocking. It's going to be a 9 or a 10-0 run all of a sudden, and the Longhorns are down three. The momentum has completely swung. And uh, right under the basket as they were coming up to, to, you know, in, inside the circle, Max Aceman's played great defense. He's a littler guy, but he kept his feet. He, he, he did a great job of playing defense, and then he just swiped the ball uh, from, you know, the TCU, oncoming TCU player, and, you know, no foul, uh, just gets the steal. And not only did he steal it without fouling, he was able to keep his balance and, and you know, kind of tightrope the uh, end line and pass the ball back into Kendall Weaver, which ignited a fast break the other way that Max Acemus ended up making an and-one where he got, he got the ball on the baseline, uh, put it in, and got fouled, and he made the foul shot. So there was a six-point swing right there that started the 9-0 run that Max Acemus went on because after that he hit the two long three-pointers, and all of a sudden instead of being down – I mean, think about that, uh, Ty. You're, either, uh, you're, you're facing being down 9 or 10, and you know, TCU's on a 10-0 run. He makes the swipe in the defense – and it ends up sending back the other way that starts a, a, a game-closing 13-2 run. Huge defensive play. That, that's, the part, that's the play in that game that will get overlooked because of the highlight reel three-pointers that he made. That was big time because uh, – and, again, might, I don't want to – can I say it saved the season? I think if you fall to three and six in Big 12 play, you lose that game, who knows where the season goes. Now you make that play, you finish on a 13-2 run, you're, five, you're four and five – uh, that's, a, that's a third quad one win for the basketball team now. And as uh, Jerry pointed out last hour, if you look at the Ken Pomeroy rankings, Longhorns are in the top 30 now uh, with the, the, that win, even the loss to, to Houston, and they've got games coming. So here's the stretch for Texas that's critical. They've got Iowa State tomorrow night. It's hard to you know, say one game's you know, the, the biggest, but that's a huge game. Uh, Iowa State's a top 15 team. They just lost over the weekend. If the Longhorns could defend home floor, defend the Moody Center, win that game, then they stay at home to play West Virginia tie, which at this point is an extremely winnable game as far as Big 12 winnable games goes. That's the biggest. That's coming here. And then they have K-State uh, coming after that, a team that is, kind of is dealing with injuries right now that the Longhorns, I think, are a favorable matchup against. So, well, you're looking at, you know, if you can win Tuesday night, then two more winnable games. You could be on – Texas could be on a four-game win streak all of a sudden, and it all started with about four minutes to play in the game at uh, Fort Worth. Huge pivot point for the Longhorns.
No, I agree with you. Uh, basketball's a game of runs, and uh, that uh, TCU going on that run, stopping them right there, I think that would have taken the lead. They definitely would have won that game. And Ace Smith's catching fire. You know, you, you look at the score, the final score, if you didn't watch the game, Texas winning by 11, you would have never have known that it was it was that close with, with what, four, four minutes left, you said? Yep, heck of a game, heck of a game, heck of a finish. And that's, that's what you got to do, right? It, it would, the, one of the things about this roster, the way Rodney Terry and his staff built it, at times it's looked kind of clumsy and at times it's kind of misbuilt. But I think as the, as the formation of the, the rotation is coming, and as we said, it's, it's not an excuse for Rodney Terry, it's a, it's a reality. They didn't get to insert Dylan DeSue into this team until Christmas. So the chemistry was, was jacked up right as they began conference play. Uh, you put in, you know, Dylan DeSue, the ball goes through Dylan DeSue. You run a lot of two-man game with Dylan DeSue and Max Hastmas. This is, this is kind of the, the design of your team. But you hadn't worked on it at all until Christmas time. And guess what happens right after Christmas time? Conference play begins. So what do you know? Texas begins the conference season one and three and kind of stumble out of the gate. They're trying to catch up from that, but it does feel like they've figured out their roles. they got Kendall Weaver into the starting lineup now. Uh, they've gotten the ball into Max Asmus's hands. He's running the point, and Tyrese Hunter's playing the two-guard. Uh, Dylan Mitchell's back to playing the four, and, and he's played a really good brand of basketball on Saturday despite some turnovers. He had 13 points and 11 rebounds. And Asmus and DeSue are the, the, the engines, right? They're, that's going to be your, your offense going to run through those two guys. It does feel like they figured some things out. We'll see if they can hit the accelerator here and maybe go on a little bit of a streak where, you know, if you lose that TCU game, you know, now you're two, two three straight losses. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a lost season. But a uh, huge win for Texas and a uh, huge win for the Texas women, too. Props to Vic Schaefer and team. Speaking of injuries, you know, they're, they're battling through that Rory Harmon injury and uh, wins over Baylor and Kansas State this past week over a three-day period. That was pretty awesome. We'll come back. When we do, we go off the record, including why um, Patrick Mahomes may not invite his dad to the Super Bowl. Did you see this story, Ty? Uh, Mr. Mahomes may not be invited to Super Bowl 56. We'll get you details on that. More off-the-record topics as well coming your way. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. <laughs> D.D. Megadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get it. Bring the egg comb. Congratulations. Continue good sex in the the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, off the record never sucks, but it does uh, suck on this Monday because of the passing of a, of a legendary actor and former NFL player, linebacker, at a Long Beach City College and San Diego State University, played for the Raiders and the BC Lions. He is Carl Weathers. That's how you know him as Apollo Creed. Apollo never seen Rocky. Creed. What? Mm-mm. None of them? Nope. Ty. I know. It's pretty, I know. Come on, man. Oh, you, you, so you don't know the uh, the character Apollo Creed? I know, I know. I, I, I essentially have seen it, but I haven't seen it. I, I know all about. Well, then Rocky. you know Chubbs Peterson and Happy yeah, Gilmore. Yeah, that's right? that's more what I think of him as. <laughs> Combat <laughs> Carl in the Toy Story franchise. Uh, hated to see the passing of Carl Weathers, but interestingly, um, before his passing, Carl Weathers had uh, appeared in a Super Bowl commercial, a Super Bowl ad um, that was going to air during the Super Bowl. And they're going to have to change that. They're going to have to edit it. and Because uh, he was still acting um, up until recently. And he made this commercial. So I think, I think it's for 
I'm not sure exactly what it's for, but uh, they're going to make a, make an edit now that Carl Weathers has unfortunately passed away. Also over the weekend, uh, Sylvester Stallone, who played played Rocky Balboa in those Rocky movies, uh, had had this to say about the about his friend Carl Weathers and the passing of Apollo Creed. Hello, everyone. Today is an incredibly sad day for me. I mean, I've, I'm so torn up, I can't even tell you. I'm just trying to hold it in because Carl Weathers was such an integral part of my life, my success, everything about it. I, I give him incredible credit and kudos because when he walked into that room and I saw him for the first time, I saw greatness, but I didn't realize how great. I never could have accomplished what we did with Rocky without him. He was absolutely brilliant. His voice, his size, his power, his athletic ability, but more importantly, his heart, his soul. It's, it, it's a horrible loss. And I'm standing here in front of this painting because it was probably the last moment we were ever in the ring together and I'll never forget it. He was magic, and I was so fortunate to be part of his life. So. Right there is uh, Sylvester Stallone with a heartfelt tribute to his friend Carl Weathers, who passed away. Also an off-the-record tie. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, remember last year, leading or was it two years ago, leading to the Super Bowl when uh, you know the Chiefs had the incident with uh, Andy Reid's son with the car accident on the freeway that ended up uh, uh, severely injuring a child, and he ended up getting arrested. I thought someone uh, died. Well, yeah, I think there might have been a casualty in that accident, and uh, uh, Andy Reid's son was leaving the Chiefs facility. Well, here we go. I mean, um, Super Bowl week, and the father of Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes arrested in East Texas over the weekend on his uh, at least his third charge of driving while intoxicated. Uh, the legal issue comes as Mahomes, of course, is preparing his team to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, the 53-year-old Patrick Mahomes senior, former Major League Baseball player, uh, this happened in Tyler, Ty. Uh, this can't be – this can't East be good Texas. for the preparation. Yeah, right. far east Texas, but uh, you know, it looks like it, it, that would be his third try. I mean, he could be going to jail. I mean, you, you only get so many strikes before you're going to jail uh, for some serious time with the DWI. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. You assume his son will keep locked in and you know get ready for the Super Bowl. You would assume that is that. that is you know Pat Pat would get Pat Senior a driver at this point. You know he can yeah, afford well, it I, or something. I don't know. That's just it's it, going. It, Patrick Mahomes it, is like an stupid. outlier. Be- his dad's kind of a mess. His brother Jackson's a big-time mess. Uh, what's going on here? Oh, did you see the story? Brittany Mahomes came out. This uh, My girlfriend actually showed me this because she shares her, my disdain towards Taylor Swift and, and Brittany Holmes, <laughs> which I really appreciate. You know, we, we, we bounce ideas off each other all the time. But she showed me yesterday that Brittany Holmes has uh, put out a statement where she's embracing the hate um, because if, if you're hating, you, if you hate us, you ain't us kind of, kind of deal. That's right. Uh, even when people love Patrick Mahomes, they've kind of always thought his wife was kind of annoying, and I think that's fair to say, especially when she was hanging around with the brother, Jackson, and doing TikTok videos. She's upgraded to Taylor Swift now, though. Yes, she's upgraded to Taylor Swift, who congratulations to T-Swizzle last night at the Grammys. She did win the Grammy. She won two, actually, for uh, Song of the Year and then Album of the Year, the biggest event uh, award of the night. And she becomes the first artist ever to win Best Album four times. Four times, uh, coming off that Eras tour that uh, netted her a billion dollars or so. She's had quite the year, and she might have found her dude there in uh, 
in Travis Kelsey. Uh, there's some great moments from the Grammys. We'll talk about them. Also, we're going to be joined for our final couple hours by a good friend uh, who's made his way to the South Austin Onion Creek compound. He is the senior writer of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Our friend Mike Craven will talk football and all kinds of stuff with us the next couple hours. I'll also talk about a book he's writing, which we're excited to tell you about, and uh, all the other goings on on Monday. Uh, Mike Craven will join us coming up with Rod Babers. We're rooting for him. He's on his way to get his wisdom teeth extracted. Just sent me a text and said, I'm on my way. Wish me luck. So um, <laughs> you think you're having a bad Monday. Yours isn't as bad as Rod's, I promise you. That's going to be uh, not a lot of fun, but we're rooting for him. We'll, we'll be back uh, hour four of our five-hour conversation on a Monday morning. Coming back on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Rod Babers.